Welcome to Cape Shot. My name is Lincoln and I have been a staunch fan of the X-Men pretty much ever since I was born. As a little kid, I used to uh, enjoy reading through the comic books that I would find at the local newsagency or at the school library, along with other uh, comics that I would find there. I also enjoyed things like Asterix and it seems like anything with an X in the title. But, you know, as I got a little bit older, the 1990s Fleer Ultra series of cards came out and I was really quick to go out and snap as many of those up as I could that were possible. And I also really enjoyed watching the, uh, the X-Men animated series that, um, that we all know and love and that really sort of brought the color and the flavor and the amazing different storylines to light but uh, quite importantly the messages that the characters themselves really sort of carried with them one of tolerance and of acceptance but also one of duality one where we understood the that there were sometimes two moral sides to a uh, to a coin sometimes doing one thing can be good and so can doing what seems like the opposite and both of them have defensible arguments sometimes but before i get ahead of myself what i was hoping to read to you today was actually a play by page page by page reading of the very first issue of 1963's x-men so i'm going to get started using this straight away the cover of X-Men has a beautiful, rich and vibrant uh, team. Obviously, we've got four out of the five X-Men wearing their classic X-Men uniforms, those 1960s Christian Dior-esque uh, costumes. That's a little bit of a joke for later on. We have uh, a picture of Warren Worthington III, uh, uh, who is also known as the Angel, holding on to a metal bar, and he's hurtling towards Magneto. Then we also have the pre-experimented-on uh, version of Hank McCoy, known as the Beast. At this point, he was just moderately heavy, uh, moderately hairy, and massive feet and massive hands. Feet that were actually able to articulate in the same way as his hands. And so uh, it was quite an interesting um, kind of a mutation that he had. And then we also have Cyclops barreling down his uh, energy plasma blasts on Magneto and Magneto's uh, force field shield that he's using to diffuse that as well. We also have the um, the one out of costume X-Man in the image here. We've got uh, Bobby Drake or Iceman uh, throwing uh, snow uh, snowballs at Magneto, which seems implausible and like it wouldn't help. But, you know, there is an, a moment in the story where it all starts to make a little bit of sense as to, you know, where he fits in with the, uh, the rest of this um, uh, group of rogues. And then we also have uh, the... Uh, the wonderful Jean Grey, who is also wearing her costume right down to the head covering. Again, this is pre her uh, green and yellow costume uh, of the um, uh, of the seventies and eighties, and certainly 
years and decades before she would encounter the Phoenix Force. So at this stage, we've got a very uniform looking X-Men. And as it says here, these are the strangest superheroes of all. Published on the 1st of September 1963, this was uh, meant to represent a new era for Marvel. And as it says here, it's in the sensational Fantastic Four style. Uh, it seems Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby wanted to put together a, a team that wasn't constrained to a number like Fantastic Four. They wanted to go even further than the um, the origins that we witnessed in the Fantastic Four, where they all had one unifying uh, cosmic event. This was meant to be something where, in this issue, we don't get into the origins uh, of uh, of their details, their species, or whatever you may, you may call it. Uh, but there's a few hints that are sort of laid bare, both by uh, some of the dialogue and commentary that we hear from Magneto, as well as some of the things that we hear in the conversation that takes place between Professor X and Jean Grey. And I've just mentioned, obviously, the X-Men gets their name for... Uh, for, you know, Professor X or Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier. Uh, but incidentally, as it says in the comic itself, um, he didn't name them after himself. And that was something that I, that I found really interesting, that that's generally an assumption. Uh, it's certainly something that clearly influenced how Stanley uh, was informed to choose the names of the teams and of the characters but he chose instead to, rather than bringing them together, to actually separate them and say Professor X called them X-Men based on something else. And so we'll get into that. But without further ado, that's just an explanation of the cover. Let's get into the content itself. In the main study of an exclusive private school in New York's Westchester County, a strange, silent man sits motionless, brooding, alone with his indescribable thoughts. Now here we have Professor X wearing a, um, a, a green suit, uh, not unlike what you would see in X-Men, the animated series. And we're peering in from the outside uh, into his office space. The next panel. Finally, his meditation comes to an end. Then, while he remains completely motionless, a sharp, commanding thought rings out, echoing through the great halls of the building. Attention, X-Men. This is Professor Xavier calling. Repeat, this is Professor X calling. You are ordered to appear at once. Class is now in session. Tardiness will be punished. Never within the memory of a man was there a class such as this. Never was there a teacher such as Professor X. And never were there students such as the X-Men. The Angel reporting, sir. Cyclops, present and accounted for, sir. Iceman, right on schedule, sir. The Beast is here, sir. So this issue was written by Stan Lee, drawn by Jack Kirby, inked by Paul Reinman, and lettered by S. Rosen. 
And now prepare yourself for one of the most exciting reading experiences of all your life, for you are about to enter the fascinating, unpredictable world of the X-Men. Now we see Cyclops in behind the professor, putting his chair back, and he says to Angel, Come on, Angel, let's tilt the professor's chair back and make him more comfortable. With pleasure, Cyclops, old man. We want the professor comfortable while he puts us through our paces. Hey, beast, come here. I want to show you a new stunt I learnt with my frosting power, says Bobby Drake. Let go of my arm, you blasted walking icicle. You want me to freeze to death, says Beast. I don't mind ice cubes, but I like them in a Coke, not tickling my arm, says Beast. Ha! With all your superpowers, you guys are just a bunch of softies. Can't even stand a refreshing dose of freezing ice cubes. Softies, are we? Well, wait until my arm thaws out. I'll make you eat those words, little fella, says Beast. Yeah, you and what other army? says Bobby Drake. And then swooping in from outside is Angel, Warren Worthington III. Hold it, lads. No fighting during class, remember? Thank you, Angel. Professor X interrupts by inserting and projecting his thoughts into their minds. And now it is time to begin your lessons. The Beast will be the first. Prepare to operate his training machine, Cyclops. Yes, sir. Professor, everything is ready. Allow me to congratulate all of you. You are receiving my thoughts perfectly. Soon there will be no need for me to speak aloud to you at all. And now, Beast, grab the taut wire above you with your toes so you have exactly a second and a half. Go! I can do this in my sleep by now. And we see the beast hurtling from the ground upside down, leaping up to the, to the roof to grab onto the taut wire. Excellent. Now spin about faster. Faster! Pretend an enemy is shooting at you. You must make yourself an impossible target. And now, at my command, release yourself from the taut wire and execute maneuver G. You have exactly three seconds. Go! Three seconds exactly. Well done, Beast, says Cyclops from the corner. Maneuver G appears to be a, an, a situation where he hurtles through, uh, through hoops, just like he's a circus act, through a circular hoop, bouncing off a wall, and then through a square hoop, hurtling off another wall and another wall again, we can see him moving at a massively fast pace and we can see that his hands and feet all have opposable thumbs and control dexterity like no other. And on to the next task. Now for your balance drill. Steady, steady, slacken the tension Cyclops. We can see the beast is balancing on one finger well above, 10 meters up in the air. Good. Now, as the rod begins to sag, maintain your balance. On one finger, hold it, 
Hold it. We can see him flexing down to the side. Too fast. You're swaying too quickly. Recover quickly. Now land on your feet before the rod snaps back. Careful. Careful. How'd I do, sir? You'll receive your grade tomorrow. All right, Angel, it's your turn. Are you receiving my thought clearly? Good. Now be sharp. Today we test your wing reflex. You dare not make a mistake. Mistakes are for Homo sapiens, sir, not the Angel. Don't be overconfident, Angel. You almost singed your wing on that unexpected flame jet. We can see a flame jet sizzling out of the ground, the size of three men wide. You're right, sir. I'll do better next time. Good. You avoided the second obstacle within seconds to spare. Clack! The second obstacle we can see was a massive vice that came hurtling together and smacking together with a growled clack. Ah! Now I'm getting warmed up, we hear him say. First time I ever flew... The spanner without a slip. The spanner appears to be a massive multi-bladed uh, blender style uh, device in the middle of the room, uh, as wide as 10, 15 men wide. And he's flying above the spanner. What? What is this? I warned you against your overconfidence, Professor X projects into his mind. This sudden sound concussion is your test is to test your survival ability. You must not fall to the ground. Hold on, Angel. Flap your wings. Keep flapping. You don't stop. You can do it, boy. You mustn't fail. We can see him up in the air, full, flipping back and forth, uh, disoriented. We can see Bobby over to the side and then Cyclops over to the other side as well. That was a close one, sir. But I think I'm all right now. Yes, you're beginning to master the hovering maneuver and it may save your life someday. That will be all for now. And that will also be all for us for the time being as well. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this reading of the very first issue of X-Men from 1963. We're just getting started here at Cape Shot. What we're hoping to do is produce a range of uh, podcasts, interviews, and all sorts of collaborations that really focus on the heart of what makes X-Men so special. I hope you can find something special in it, just as I always have. And I hope that I can share this experience with you as we go through various different issues of X-Men. We won't always be going directly in order, but I thought it was a good place to get started. See what started this whole hubbub so long ago, but I'd love to tap into some of the other characters, some of my favorites like uh, Havoc, you know, Nathan Summers. He's my favorite uh, X-Men character. I'd like to maybe give an insight as to why I think he's such an amazing character to follow and to really get a grasp of um, you know, what sets him apart, what differs him from Scott, you know, or Slim, as we're about to have Scott introduced in this first issue as well. Um, 
some of the other things that I'd like to uh, to use this opportunity and this attention to do is also to actually uh, give people some foreground and some foreshadowing as to what set up the X-Men so that when the animated series came out, uh, it was so successful. And also as we approach the release on the 4th of January, 2024, the new season of X-Men 97, it'd be great to give everybody a bit of a background as to what took place over the five seasons that have happened so far and where things might go. And we might get into some of that speculation territory as we all love to do. And I'd love for you to join me for the ride. So please like and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you leave a review in all of the systems. It really counts. It makes a difference so that we can get these podcasts to as many ears as possible so that everybody can uh, join and collaborate and we can have a great time. Thanks for listening. Excelsior.